Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. And I'm Matt Petrowski. And I'm Jesse Barnum. And uh, I'm still Matt Petrowski. <laughs> and I'm Enzo Manano. Oh, I, Vince. I love Vince. He's my friend, my buddy. He, he, you mean me? Oh, yes, exactly. I do have to talk to these people. We'll get to them. Actually, I, I want to do an episode with Jesse because I heard some pretty awesome things about what he did. So, so here we are. We're at DevCon. I just finished my session. You're done with your sessions. Uh, we're, the closing session's coming up in an hour. Yes, final session. So it'll be very interesting to find out whether we are at the Cosmopolitan again for a third year or, cross your fingers, hopefully someplace new. Someplace new like Portland, Oregon, maybe. Hey, I'd be fine with that. I am fine with that. So um, what are your impressions so far at DEF CON? Uh, again, it was a really good time this year. I always love checking in on the sessions, finding out new things, seeing what's going on. Um, Personally, wasn't so fond of the baseball thing, but I mean, for the sports people, I'm sure they really liked it. I mean, yeah, sports people did like it. So there was a baseball thing last night at an outdoor sort of like a set of stadiums sort of made to look like famous baseball parks. And there was batting cages and stuff like that. I saw tons of people actually having fun, hitting balls, stuff like this. I just didn't want to do anything because if I threw out my shoulder or something, I'd be like hurting the next day and I was speaking. And I'm like, no, I don't want, I want to feel good when I speak. I should have thought of that because I actually went to the batting cages <laughs> and hit, some, hit a bunch of balls and my uh, leg is really hurting today. Yes, that's, uh, that's what I heard from you. And I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't uh, overstrain myself. You know, you get up past 40 and your body He's not going to do what it could do when it's, tw- when it's 20. It could be worse. Sam Barnum was at the fast pitch thing. I think they're like throwing 90-mile-an-hour ones, and the Ooh. ball had a little bit of shimmy to it, and it hit him right in the face. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, he was really quite unhappy. Is he black and blue? No, he's actually surprisingly not bruised. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. So I heard rave reviews from your session. Um, you, did, you did a couple, right? So you did one on um, the, light, the lightweight design one. No, I, I just did one. I yeah, had that one, okay. only... Uh, um, gosh, I'm forgetting what I call it. Designing in tight spaces. Yes. And so, but I, I always call it the, the FileMaker, FileMaker widget show. So yeah. I just basically show people how to use different widgets different ways. Matt's bag of tricks. <laughs> Pretty much it. <laughs> and so, yeah, I guess people liked it. There was a bunch of uh, really simple stuff. In fact, anybody who's listening right now that wants to get hold of the file, FileMaker actually made a lot of the uh, DevCon presentation materials actually available. They didn't, they're all... Publicly? Yeah. They're, oh, wow. they're all like, all the PDFs and all the public links, I'm... You know, if you go to community.filemaker.com, you can end up finding those. But here's the link to the the file that I used. It's fmgo.to/devcon2016. Yep. And that'll actually open up the file, and you'll be able to take a look. So, which I think is a smart move for on their part to not worry so much about keeping the materials, you know, close to the chest, and then having to deal with permissions and getting those out there. You get people the content, but then maybe they'll keep the videos. You know, you yeah, actually, they recorded every session this year. Yeah, so maybe those are what will be behind a firewall or a paywall or something like that. So right. I don't know until they release. So, yeah, with Vegas, it's kind of like enjoying DevCon in spite of Vegas because the city is kind of rough. But after being here for a couple of days, I sort of learned what to not do so that I didn't really be annoyed by any of the Vegas BS. And so what were those things? Um, well, like uh, going to the store and buying water. So at, at Walgreens is super important when you're in Vegas because... It's not really available in places um, like it really should be. And so just have it with you, and you really, really need it. Unless it's bottled and you're willing to pay $10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, re- some restaurants and bars here don't serve bottled water or don't serve tap water. Yeah, I've, that's, isn't that crazy? It's a new one on me. Used to be public water fountains everywhere. Now yeah. uh, no more water fountains, just 
buy it in a bottle. Yeah. And I don't really mind paying, a, you know, 18 bucks for a drink because if I'm only going to have, you know, five. <laughs> and then there's also, you know, the, the spa, even though it's overpriced, is really great in the hotel. The workout facilities are great. The pools are completely awesome. So going to those places and avoid the insanity of like walking around outside and, you know. It has been it has been very hot here. Actually, the previous time wasn't didn't seem like it was hot, but I think every night it's been like 109, 111 days. I mean, yeah. really hot. So they keep it nice and cool, and the, you never even know what how hot it is unless you go outside the hotel. Yeah. But then there was a party in um, let's see, uh, Joey Grimaldi and and, Jer- and uh, uh, Gerald Chang in their suites, uh, and like at eleven o'clock at night. On their uh, wraparound balcony, it was lovely outside. Oh, that's pretty you cool. You just have to wait till late enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. I didn't get to go to any last night because I was getting ready for my session. Uh, I knew I'd be out too late and then just totally tired. So what? Uh, so we've seen some good tech stuff for sure. Um, I definitely have gotten a lot of really good tips. This one's. I, I learned some things about WebDirect in my WebDirect panel. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> that was good. That's cool. The callback I, URL thing. Oh yeah, uh, you mean from Chris's? Uh... No, uh, Mike Burgey was one of my panelists, and there's a when you when you call a, a web direct solution from your website, um, you can of course just specify the regular old URL, you know, the, the domain name slash fmi slash webd slash pound database name, but then you can also add um, a callback URL, which is when the when the solution closes, what URL does it go to when it's done? It doesn't have to go back to the site. It can go to any site or even back to the, to the uh, database itself. It can call itself. And then also you can set a script that runs when it opens if you don't want to use the unopen script. Pretty cool. There's a whole bunch of other controls in there that I'm sure I could have read about in the documentation but hadn't gotten to that yet. So very, I learned that today. That's cool. There's, the product is so deep that, I mean, you can't even – you never touch every aspect of it. In fact, the, one of the sessions I heard that was really good was um, John Thatcher doing an under the hood. Mm. And he basically focused primarily on how – he, used, you in particular, used top call logging, the new feature in 15, yes. in order to solve problems. And people were like, okay, I get it now. The light bulb came on. Somebody actually walked me through the process, not just said, hey, we have a new feature called top call logging. Right. So I'm looking forward to actually watch. I didn't get to see the session. I'm going to go watch that video. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he's a great, great presenter. Well, I mean, he's building the product, so he knows the insides. Well, you can be, a, you can be a, a building the product, but you can also be a great presenter, and he's both. Oh, well, there, yes, by all means, very much so. So anybody else you saw? Any um, sessions? I'm try- yeah, I've been to a lot of sessions, actually, and then I have my staff here as well, so they're going to, we're trying to divvy, divide and conquer. Um, there's some really good business stuff, too. I've been very happy to see that. Mark Richmond's and, and um, there was one on, um, I'm trying to remember, that I really enjoyed um, about the, doing a 10-hour project project. Uh, and like what you can accomplish in 10 hours and kind of this is a really good way to start an interaction with clients. There was a lot of light bulb moments in that one for me. Oh, cool. I definitely, I love sitting down and when somebody explains a problem, if you just focus on that one problem, solve it and then give them the solution to it, it's just, you know, eye-opening. Yeah, It's really pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're building customer loyalty by, deli- by delivering solutions really quickly. Um, and and it's actually there's even ways to do it where you're going to be more profitable than trying to come up with a really big, you know, 300 hour block of time and trying to guess how much that's going to be because, you know, I think it's kind of you could kind of file it under agile development maybe, but it's maybe a little bit different than that too. Yeah, very much so. Works for me. I went and saw um, 
one of the vendor demos, I saw Nick Orr's, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast that we'd done prior, but that I'd wanted to see it, but it was uh, Sync is Not a Product, oh, yeah. which I've always dealt with Sync, and it's nice to have the products that are out there, but typically you're dealing with, you know, how do you want to sync? How much of what do you want to sync? What do you want to sync? When should you sync it? And stuff mm-hmm. like that. So some of the tips I got from him that, one of them was just a light bulb that I don't know why I didn't think of this. Um, I was dealing with time zone issues, which are a complete pain because the get host timestamp or whatever is not the same if you're across time zones. And he basically just said, get UTC milliseconds. Use that and have a separate sync timestamp of when it synced. Don't use the on create or on modify or the modified timestamp. Just use create a separate timestamp and get use the get UTC. And I'm like, oh, duh, UTC time. If everything is UTC time, it's all the same. As long as it's invisible. It'd be weird if a user went to like a log and they said, you know, they looked at a record and they looked at the time and said, what? I didn't make that record at 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't. You, I, it's not a field you'd ever show. It's something you use for the purpose of sync, which is really absolutely Got it. cool. So that was And he had a, a number of other good tips that I just wanted to, you know, understand if I'm going to synchronize. For me, it's a, a big situation because you get a lot of disconnected. I, I'm do Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, and so we're out in the woods many times, and you have disconnected data, so I want to be able to sync that, and mm-hmm. that's it was a helpful session for me. So Cool. I haven't been to any of the vendor sessions. I, I, I don't know why, but I just didn't go to them this year. I'm not sure if my staff went to those or not. Did you go to any other vendor sessions? Um, I wanted to go to one, and what I heard from it was it was really good. It was um, Excel Assist just doing tips and tricks again. Oh, it's um, okay. it's somewhat similar to what I like to do in my sessions. Is people like to see code, so they just want yeah. to see things. You know how how did you do it? How it's going to impact them? Do I like it? Yes or no? And if so, cool. Can I? You know, where's the code? Can I implement it? And that's what I heard they did in their vendor session, and it got good response. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to see that one if they recorded it. Yeah, that was my question: whether they recorded those or not. I hope they did. Uh, maybe I don't know. We're in one of the vendor rooms, so. I don't see a whole lot of equipment unless they removed it, but hopefully, yeah, there's some in the back, but yeah. yeah, hopefully they did. So, and then tonight's the closing session. We'll get to find out about the uh, who won the uh, developer cup challenge thing, which this year was a very different theme. It was based on a, um, like a charity angle, which I love. Really, really thought that was great. The opening session had some stuff about that too, about kind of giving back to the community and how to use FileMaker to make the world a better place kind of stuff, which um, I really love to see. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the results. It was very much behind the scenes. I would have liked to see something interactive, even if it was toned down, like we're not going to do this massive thing. It's basically, I had this idea, I said, why don't they just stick three people up there, give them one little simple problem to solve, and then let the audience wager on who's going to do it, who's going to win first, or who's going to get to the end solution. But yeah, that's I mean, kind of like what it was in the past. I think the pendulum this time swung all the way the other way, so all the work is happening invisibly. In one of my sessions, though, I actually got to see some previews of the work being done to date uh, of the people are doing. So I got a little bit of that, but no, none of the drama of like watching it happen in real time. Right. So it's definitely going to be worth it, and I hope they spend some time uh, sort of digging through a little bit of the solution on the closing session, rather than just okay, here's the results. Yeah. Uh, this one is first. This one's second, third. Well, right. you know. Sh- let the let the people who created the solutions talk a little bit about what they had to confront, how they they knew they had a limited time, and what did they do in order to address it. Just like you know, the 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 type of information that FileMaker developers like to hear about. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully, it happens. And only in a matter of hours. <laughs> well, thanks, Matt. All right. Thank you, Matt. And I'm here with Don Clark. Welcome. 
Welcome. Hey, it's nice to meet you, Matt. So I don't know, for two old guys like you and me, mm-hmm. how did we not meet at DevCon before? I have no idea. Maybe it's because there's too many people here. Maybe. Yeah, it's 1,200 people here, I think, uh, this year. Mm-hmm. So h- how many DevCons have you been to? This is my fifth, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this is, I think, my 18th. Yeah, you win. <laughs> I, I win. Well, so in your, you've been a FileMaker developer since 1989, I think you said? That's correct. Yeah. So uh, why did you not come to DevCon in the earlier years? Were you not uh, like... I was not doing it full-time in 1989. I was doing it for my own businesses. I had a computer store. That's mm-hmm. where I first came across it. Um, 1989, they were running FileMaker. I purchased a store. They had that going, and we were using it for order-taking, and I fell in love with it. Now, back then, we had Apple Talk. Now, remember, you remember. Sure. Local talk connectors. Local talk. And, yeah, little little, uh, coffee cups with the little wave on it, you know, so that when it didn't connect, well, it took that long. But But uh, then you can upgrade from that to those Apple token ring cards. Remember those? I did those. I did those. (laughs) And then then we did Ethernet. And we did the Ethernet that could be connected. What was that? It was by Radius or not Radius? Asante. Asante. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Where you could do the ring of Ethernet and extend them out for each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they had two different styles of Ethernet, right? They had the 10-base T, but then they also had the... um, to the cable one yeah they did yeah. Mm-hmm. what was that called again I don't know. Um, it's gone it was now. like it was basically the same kind of cable we use now for cable tv yeah rj uh, coax coax there you go and it had to be terminated at the end yes yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i remember all that kind of stuff too so there's there's all those things uh back then i used it uh, so i started writing database stuff they were using it for sales i started doing inventory control right away and then i threw in we had a service department mm-hmm. so then i was tying into Apple Link, that's what it was old. That's how they communicated. Apple that's Link. that's. But before email was around, we had Apple Link addresses. Apple Link. That's right. Apple Link was yeah. around in 1989, 1990, and that yes. was an email system. Yeah. Uh, but it was all internal to Apple at that point in time, and we used it for doing ordering. Yeah. So all of our ports, part system, and everything like I put all that on there, and then we would download the. That was a MicroAge affiliate mm-hmm. as well. MicroAge had thirty-two thousand plus part numbers. I'd pull the whole thing every month into a database and FileMaker and then hook it up to our sales. And uh, so everybody could pull up every price for everything. Nice. Right away. Yeah. And of course, they had inventory and we did inventory and everything like that. Point of sale. Yeah, this story of, uh, of uh, using FileMaker internally and then gaining a lot of expertise on it and then maybe busting out on your own to start doing FileMaker for other people is very common. I think it's, I've seen it a lot of times and I think it's a really beautiful testament to, to what FileMaker is. Oh, yes. Uh, that's, when I talk to people, it's the same thing. How'd you get started? Well, I started doing this. I was doing mm-hmm. such. Somebody threw something on the desk and said, make this happen. And they fell in love. Yeah. Yeah. I love talking about all the old stuff too. It's yeah. Just really, it's fun to just to reach way back in a memory and, and go back to remember like your first email address, <laughs> CompuServe and Prodigy and. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I don't even remember what mine. Well, actually, I got a, a domain name with a, the name of the computer store, and that was my first email address. But uh, but I couldn't even back then in 1994. Yeah. It was CLI Computers. There was a CLI Computers in. L.A. They already had that. Oh. Yeah, you know, by the time I got into it, which is only a few months too late. Um, but we got, we got one called CLI Computers, ABQ, from yeah. Albuquerque. So it worked oh, yeah. out. Yeah, we did all that kind of stuff. Uh, then, but the, back then, all you could do really, there weren't a lot of web pages. Yeah. Um, and That's there's ninety five, I think. Yeah, so. and I mean there was bulletin boards, and if you tried to advertise oh, yeah. on a bulletin board, they'd flame you so fast. I tried. I got flamed a few times or oh. once. Yeah. So. And then I just played by the rules. So, 
at any rate, that's that's how far back I went. Then I started doing what most people do uh, when you're doing it. You, you like it mm-hmm. enough, you start playing with it a lot, you do more stuff internally, and then somebody asks you if you know a way to help them out. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I started doing you know scheduling software for doctor's offices and just every I, I, I did newspapers. You know, they had to do uh, creative work, and so they had to manage mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. We're getting all kinds of stuff, making noise over here. That's all right. That's right. So fast forward from that. Now you have Mm fmprogurus.com. Is that your name of your company for consulting? or No, the name of my company is FM Database Consulting. I've I've been doing that since, well, actually, let's go back a little further. In 2000, my wife and I started a company we called uh, funteaching.com. And we made vertical market software for a very uh, vertical niche called... Mm well, blanked out. At any rate, it's it's a, it's for doing like something like DECA, which is distributive ed- education mm-hmm. marketing, or clubs of America, or business professionals of America, high school, uh, cl- vocal vocational ed clubs. Okay, okay so uh, Skills USA is another one. At any rate, they all have clubs. These clubs have to be run in addition to the teacher's job as whatever they teach. So mm-hmm. DECA was marketing. My wife was a marketing teacher and a DECA advisor. They have national competitions and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. So they have to be able to uh, do job training or, or job work. So so the kids go out and they get a job, a co-op, and the teacher mm-hmm. has to go out and visit, and they have to ha- get reports back from the teacher or from the, from the uh, company owner, you know, and say, okay, are they doing a good job? Are they not doing a good job? They got paid to go out and do this in the yeah. afternoon. And it's so funny. You're, you're, telling, you're talking about it, and I'm like writing the program to solve this problem. <laughs> that's right. And that's what we did. We wrote a program to sure. handle all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and we made run times out of it mm. on Mac and PC. Oh, so single user. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and teachers, though, don't have a lot of money, even in vocational stuff like that. So yeah. it went for quite a few years. did, did real well, but then it kind of dried up. So we, we, we uh, kept it going, and then I decided to go full-time FileMaker. But we did put it in FileMaker because mm-hmm. back then we could do it on Windows and Mac. Right. Yeah. Both, you know, and, and you make one runtime on each platform, make an installer, yeah. off you go. Oh, I had a big runtime program actually starting in around 95, I think, with FileMaker that we, mm-hmm. we shipped a CD out and sold it to people. It was a $100 program. Mm-hmm. Uh, sold thousands of copies of it. Yeah, it was the same thing. We had to put them on CDs. We, there was, in fact, I, I was probably a little ahead of the curve. I was trying to get my wife to do electronic delivery of software back in 2004. Mm-hmm. But nobody was doing it at that point in time. I mean, there were some people, but the schools weren't. They didn't, they didn't trust it. They wouldn't put their information online. Mm. There was pushback yeah. at that point in time. Now everybody does it. That's all Yeah, but the interesting thing now is like if, to solve that same problem, um, you, you could do it with a web-based thing, but then you've got the offline thing. And it's like, do you do it with an uh, iPad instead? It's, it's actually a little bit more difficult in some ways. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, there was other issues as well at that point because you know most of the teachers didn't have access, admin access to their own computers. So you so, had to have so, somebody uh, install that kind of thing, like the uh, you know the tech guy, and then they'd come in at the, in the summertime and erase the whole computer oh, and mm-hmm. set up a whole new user setup on it, and then you'd have to have, walk them through installing it again. So a CD was actually a pretty good thing. Yep, yep. So how did all this lead to FM Pro Gurus, which is a really beautiful uh, contribution to the community? Oh, thank you. Um, it was an idea for marketing and to share mm-hmm. uh, and to give back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it was all those things. I wanted to become more, more well-known. I wanted more business. I, I'm a businessman. Yeah. Um, but how do you do that? 
how do you put yourself apart from everybody else? Mm -hmm. I know how to program just fine. I, I've got a degree in uh, accounting, business administration from the University of Arizona. Cost accounting was my sec minor or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I mean, and I've run a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. So I, I know how to handle a business, do business processes, analyze businesses and stuff like that. I know how to program for them, but nobody knows me. Right. So how do you get out there? So I thought, well, let's make myself an authority in the area, and that's how you do it. You do yeah. a website. You do social media. You, yeah. you figure out how to make these things happen. You use the tools that are there for everybody. Just so what, like, what's, the, what's the Zephyrin Pro Gurus do? What's, what's, it, what's it about? It's just a, mostly a curating website, mm -hmm. uh, but it's with my opinion about a lot of these things. I also mm -hmm. threw in a lot of other stuff, a lot of business consulting, a lot of business coaching. So when you want to know more about particular styles of doing things or you want to learn more about motivation or the successful mm -hmm. tips to, to right. for building your own success. I think you're telling me that like, you have like uh, you, you go out to all the other different places, all the like people like me. I, I put a demo file out whenever I can. I think I've got three or four of them on my website and mm -hmm. several of them are in development. And so you go and find these things mm -hmm. and then you collect them all together and put a central repository of it. I don't know if there's anybody else doing that. As far as I know, there isn't. Um, this was it's a program called List. It was a website, list.ly, Listly. Mm -hmm. It's free for up to three lists, and I only have one. And that's FileMaker, free FileMaker mm -hmm. example files. Okay. There's 200 and almost 60, I think, uh, downloadable files there from all over the world. Right. You don't uh, store them. You just store links to them. I on store links okay. to them. Uh, usually it's a link back to my website because I want the links going there. So they hit my website, and then they follow a link to the mm -hmm. download. I don't want to... I don't put the download on my website. Right, because then you'd have to deal with version controls and all the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, not just that, but just their software, not That's mine. True, yeah. yeah, I don't want to rain on it's their not, parade. It's not shareware, freeware. No, stuff. It's, yeah. it's freeware. for They're giving it away freely, mm -hmm. but I don't want to take hits away from their website. So I send people back to their website. Um, it's got 22,000 hits almost. Or people have downloaded something from right. there since I put it on there. It's very easily searchable. Mm -hmm. And it's a free FileMaker example. It's on my website. It's yeah. pinned to the Great front domain page. name. And so, yeah, it did go to the front page. It's always there. You click on it, and you can search any term. It's got its own search engine built into it. It's not my search on WordPress. Right. So it's a little better than that. So yeah. really nice. How much time does it take you to maintain it every day, every week? I post four or five days a week. Mm. Um, and, and once in a while, I put on my own original content. I'll do something in a video. I do these, uh, not this, this is a, obviously FileMakerTalk.com, mm -hmm. but I do video interviews of people. I mm -hmm. also do things like, you know, the eight steps you should take before you actually write a piece of code in FileMaker or something like that on, on YouTube. Eight? No, there's only seven. Yeah. <laughs> I added one. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, th those are the kind of things I do uh, on FileMaker Pro Gurus to do, you know, and when you optimize video, you have to learn to optimize it to make it so that people can find it. Yeah. And... I haven't checked in a while, but if you typed in FileMaker Pro Advanced into YouTube, you'd get 10 of my videos in the top 20. Nice. Yeah, Richard Carlton's really going to town with the video thing, too. He's doing a great, he's doing a great job with yeah. it. Really beautiful production. Yeah, yeah. He, he has the, he's been putting the time and effort into it to he do it really professionally because he's got a staff to handle that. I don't have all that. So what I do is, uh, you know, we do a nice job with the videos. Most of mine are screen captures at this point in time. Not even a picture of mm -hmm. me. But sometimes I've, I've set up a whole room with white screens. Oh, yeah. and everything. you got a face for radio, so. <laughs> yeah, I sure do. 
thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding, of course. Hey, well, you do video, so people know what you look like. Oh, yeah, they do. And I got my picture all over my website as well. So now that's the neat thing to do is to be able to share. So now I got a repository for people. They go to filemakerprogurus.com. They go to the example file link right on the front page. They can find almost anything. And I link back to, you know, Modular FileMaker, Todd Geist's mm -hmm. website. Uh, everybody's. And lot, today I just linked uh, FileMaker blogging um, oh, over in Europe. I haven't heard of that. Um, it's, I can't remember the guy's name because it was a weird name. Um, hmm. It was three letters, Zork or something, or four okay. letters, something like that. Okay. any rate. Uh, no, Zork's a computer game. I remember yeah, that. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confused, I'm sure. But any rate, he had a, he had a, a little deal this morning. Um, we were talking about JSON and another conversation and, and stuff like that. And so he was using JavaScript and JSON to do a timeline. So you could see, in fact, what he had in there was all versions of FileMaker oh, from wow. off, off of Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he grabbed some information from there, and then he put the JavaScript and, and, and parsed some JSON. Okay. It was and, graphical. And, and graphical, and it made this beautiful timeline. He says you could probably do it in FileMaker, but it'd take a lot of work. Yeah. It already exists in JavaScript. Yeah. It's just a library. We'll grab the library, plug in the pieces you need, parse the JSON out, and phew, there it is. You know, in a web viewer, of course. Yeah. So I, he had a free example file. Nice. I, I got to go look for that. Yeah, I linked it this morning yeah. in, in the file maker, uh, free file maker example files, and I'm sure people will be looking for it. Uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. And he's sharing just in the sense of community that FileMaker seems sure. to have. Other, other places don't do that. So here's what I want to know. So the, you set out to do this as a business strategy, great, which is great. Mm -hmm. But I, but I want to know what benefits have you derived that you didn't see coming? Uh, I really enjoy it. I was more of an introvert. Yeah. I'm not now. No, you're not. No. Um, I was just kind of quiet and did my work and enjoyed it. So and you I thought it would be kind of a chore, and then you ended up finding you actually really actually, like it. I found my voice. You know, uh, when you have to write, um, you have to determine, you get your own voice. You have to figure yeah. out a style. It's what you do. Sure. It's how you talk. It's what you say and mm -hmm. your commentary. So I comment. If somebody puts up something like this guy did today from FileMaker Blogging, mm -hmm. I talk a little bit about it. So yeah. what I add is, you know, if you're not doing this as a FileMaker developer, you better start. You better start learning yeah. JSON. You better start learning some JavaScript and how to integrate it and put it into a FileMaker web viewer. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you're going to get left behind. Now, I didn't give any examples of what they should be doing, but yeah. I linked to somebody that did. Do you follow the Carnegie uh, approach of, of uh, trying to find something good to say about all the things you see, or do you, are you also pretty critical? I have my moments with some critical things, but <laughs> usually it's, it's, it's just kind of a general prodding as opposed yeah. to, I, I don't go for being real negative. I don't like negative people. Yeah. So yeah, one of the personal benefits is you get to meet a lot of people, yes. and, and you get to experience a lot of different things. You get to come out of the shell if you're in one. And this is interesting because I'm asking people to be interviewed or to put stuff on the website all the time. Most of the FileMaker developers kind of fold up a little bit when you start talking about being on camera or, yeah. or even on, you know, podcast, a, a podcast. Sure. Yeah. You know, I found that, but I've also found you put a microphone in front of someone and they really change. Sometimes they really open up. Uh, some people get super nervous. It's kind of funny, but then, yeah, always it's always a good conversation. I find. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had I've done quite a few of these. Not as many as you. You've been doing it for much longer than I. But. It's been fascinating. It's, it's a real nice benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Don, it was great talking to you. Thanks. Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate it. I'm here with Jesse Barnum. Hey, Matt. So I heard in your vendor session you did something totally epic and awesome. 
and I wanted I wanted to hear it from you. Yeah, it's it's uh, it was the first time anybody had seen it. Uh, not quite the first. I had. I had uh, I showed it to, to two people before I, before I did it in the vendor session. So the, the people at the vendor session were among the first to ever see it. It's a demo that I've been wanting to do for three years. Like literally three years ago, I scripted out the entire demo. Yeah. Uh, but we've never had the features in MirrorSync to be able to do it. But yeah, essentially what the demo was was a, a, an example of using clustering with FileMaker Server. Mm -hmm. And so clustering is basically the practice of running multiple servers for two reasons. One is to get more throughput so that, you know, instead of 500 users on one server, you could have, you know, 100 users on five servers or right. 250 users on two servers or whatever. So better throughput that way and also better reliability. So if one of the servers goes down for any reason, the cluster, the load balancer detects that and switches them all over to the other nodes. Right. Uh, so this is, I mean, FileMaker has a feature, the failover server thing, which is difficult to configure and has a lot of limitations, only supports two servers and doesn't do any kind of clustering or, or load balancing. Right. In the, in the failover, and not to knock that, I mean, it's a great feature yeah, and I'm is. glad that they put it in. Um, but... Uh, you can't use both servers. You're only right. using one at a time. And so essentially, and they have to be configured identically. So yep. essentially, you've got one that's server that's nice and running, and the other that is a fairly expensive paperweight until, you know, it's needed in the case of downtime. Right. Plus, so what I would have wanted to do was have one X server that's really nice and another one that's an Amazon cloud instance that's just sitting there and waiting, but in a, in a totally different network and a totally different everything. So anyway, let's continue. Now, that's not actually what you're describing there. That's what I would call more geographic distribution as opposed to clustering. Okay. Clustering would be uh, would generally assume that they are on the same local area network as each other. So you would have like two or three or four servers either in your office or on Amazon. Okay. Um, so what I demoed uh, is two servers on Amazon, uh, a load balancer. Uh, Amazon has a service in their Amazon Web Services portfolio called Elastic Load Balancer. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it looks like FileMaker Server to a user. So FileMaker Server connects to the Amazon load balancer. In my case, I set up a load balancer just called cluster.360works.com. Okay. So you go to the, in your host and you add cluster and you see a FileMaker database there called tasks in my demo. So you connect to tasks. What you don't see is that the load balancer will then automatically connect you to either server one or server two in kind of a round robin fashion so that everyone winds up with about half of the users on server one and half of the users on server two. Okay. So we did that in our Already demo. totally awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I set up mirror sync to sync between these servers every five seconds so that whenever someone made changes in, in server cluster node one, server one, within five seconds, everybody who was connected to server two was seeing that. We had everybody on their iPads and iPhones in the audience all connecting at the same time. I heard that. It was really fun. People were creating records, deleting records, you know. Changing fields. Changing yeah. fields, all that kind of stuff. Right. And so all of that stuff was replicating between them. They were seeing all this happen. And then, uh, so that's kind of... Uh, feature one of the clustering is, right. you know, we're splitting that room full of DevCon users half on one server and half on the other server. But then to make things interesting, I remote desktop into server two and force quit FileMaker server, like a really hard, immediate just kill. You're evil. <laughs> I was kind of, I was like, oh no, don't do this to me. But <laughs> what did I ever do? So, so yeah, assassin. You run on Windows. <laughs> <laughs> so we assassinated server two with extreme prejudice. Right. Uh, and corrupted the file in the process. Nice. And so uh, the first thing that was cool was that everyone who was connected to Server 2 got a little message in Server in FileMaker Go saying you've been disconnected. They reconnected. The load balancer at Amazon detected that Server 2 was down, and it immediately just shunted everybody off to Server 1. So now everyone in the room is still running, but just off of Server 1. Right. Uh, I then went to Server 2, got a four-hour-old backup that didn't have anybody's changes in it, brought 
brought that in to replace the corrupted live file, brought server two back up, and then MirrorSync immediately kicked in, pulled all the new changes from server one back onto server two, and then we're back up and running with both servers running in the cluster. It was, it was really cool. I was really worried that people in the room would not kind of get how cool this was, you know, because that's not really what I had promised to show them in the right. description of the session. You know, everyone was there to kind of see client-to-server stuff, the stuff right, that you right, traditionally right. see MirrorSync doing. So I was worried, are they even going to get this? But yeah, the room was very excited. Yeah. It got a lot of so, applause. And this isn't really like a special high... Because features like this have existed on other platforms for a long time, right? Sure. And they're really expensive and difficult to configure. But this is, this sounds, this is just built into MirrorSync, yes? Yes, MirrorSync will support this with... I was demoing with two servers, but it'll support it with 8, 10, 20 servers. Okay. Uh, and so this is new in MirrorSync 3, which just shipped last Sunday. Okay. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, this is, I, I foresee this becoming uh, possibly kind of the marquee use case for MirrorSync 3. Yeah, I think so. I have a couple of clients who are looking at this specific thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I still want to do a whole lot of testing... Uh, and a whole lot of banging on it, you know, because this is a very new release for us. Mm -hmm. So I want to do a whole lot of internal testing. I want to set up all of our servers to be clustered um, and, uh, and then, you know, start putting out some white papers uh, on kind of reliability and stuff like that. So on the cluster engine, uh, the service that Amazon provides you, can you, can you shift the percentage so you can say I want 95% of my traffic to go here or have it configured to just for failover only maybe? No, you cannot cluster. You cannot control the load balancer that way. What you can do on Amazon, and what I did in my demo, is you can run different servers in different availability zones. And an, an availability zone in Amazon Web Services is basically a data center. It's its own building. So, like when you're running in two different availability zones, each zone is its own physical structure with its own generators, its own uh, trunk line wow. networks, its own security, mm -hmm. um, its own uh, power supply, climate control all that kind of stuff. So even if like one of the Amazon data centers caught fire, uh, the cluster, the load balancer would continue running with that other uh, availability zone. Right. So you're c c protected against all sorts of potential problems. Going back to your question about can you shift the load between them, you can't do that. You can't say 90% here and 10% here, but what you can do is you could put more instances in one availability zone than another and so that would get Amazon to kind of balance them unequally right. by having an unequal number in each availability zone. Hmm. Okay, okay. That, I, I'm, my, my brain is like uh, trying to wrap around this. It's really, really amazing. What are the other new features in Mercing 3? So we've now added JDBC support. We've always used the XML web publishing for communication with FileMaker Server, uh -huh. which XML has been you know, pretty good. It's very reliable. It's a workhorse. Uh, well, uh, did I say very reliable? It's somewhat reliable. It's somewhat reliable. <laughs> but uh, the JDBC is generally much faster. For instance, uh, in our benchmarks between FileMaker Server and MySQL, we were seeing with the XML web publishing engine about 150 records per second from FileMaker Server to MySQL. Mm -hmm. With JDBC, we're seeing about 1,000 records per second. So that's like a six so times. 8% faster. Uh, almost, yeah. Or 600% or faster. It's Yes, yeah, <laughs> about six times faster. Um, on the client-to-server syncs, we're seeing a two to four times faster. Wow. We're also adding the ability on the client to have... Um, multiple configurations, multiple sync configurations in a file, which means that traditionally the way people have used MirrorSync is you click one button and everything syncs everywhere. Yeah. Um, now you can still have that button, but you could also have other sync buttons that you would do that were workflow specific that only sync certain tables. Hmm. So for instance, uh, I demonstrated uh, using FileMaker starting point with the timesheets module, and I made a one-way sync 
just for the timesheets table so that now I have a sync button that I can do in starting point to sync everything, mm -hmm. or when I enter a new timesheet, I just hit a save button and just that one table syncs only from the iPad to the server. And it just pushes data. It just pushes data, and I also disabled the dialogues that normally pop up after the sync. So to the user, there's just like a brief one second pause when they hit the save and it's all just being pushed to the server transactionally. That is sweet. I'm looking forward to this. What's the upgrade cost of uh, MirrorSync 2 to 3? Uh, it's 40% of the cost of whatever your version 2 stuff was. Um, so basically figure out what it would cost to buy your configurations and devices in MirrorSync 2, and then 40% of that to, to switch to MirrorSync 3. Wow, worthwhile. And then with MirrorSync 3, uh, as always with our products, when you buy it, you're getting a perpetual license. It's not a monthly or an annual. Right. But what we are adding is the option, and um, let me back up for a second. You'll get all upgrades, whether they're major or minor upgrades, for one year after the time you purchase MirrorSync 3. And then at the end of that year, you can choose either to not do a maintenance plan, in which case you never pay us anything else and your license works forever. Right. Or you can pay 25% of your purchase price for MirrorSync 3, and then you will get another year's worth of updates, both major and minor. So right. we, or if MirrorSync 4 comes out during that time, then you'd pay for that at 40% or whatever and get... No, yeah. no the 25% will cover all updates, including oh, okay. major updates. Major. Oh, cool. So like if version 4 came out within your update window, you would just get that for free. So as long as you're on that 25% plan... Uh, per year, then you'll get the bug fixes in the minors, as well as the new features in the major version. That's the normal plan for like uh, for software like this. Usually 20 25%, 30%, whatever, of the purchase price every year as maintenance, and then you always are staying current. Yeah, and we modeled that clearly. You know, we modeled that after FileMaker's own plan, uh, you know, which people yeah. understand how that works, so yes. they should understand how our plan works as well. Excellent. Any other updates? Um, there's been a, we've had wonderful booth traffic. We had CloudMail 2, which was new this year. So CloudMail 2 has a lot of nice features about tracking Google Analytics so that mm. you can see in Google Analytics when people are clicking on your marketing links that you sent out and stuff like that in your email campaigns. So tell me about CloudMail versus MailChimp. Uh, Is so it like a competitor? Uh, no, a little bit. They're, they're not really quite close enough to call them competitors, but they do sort of do a similar sort of product, similar sort of thing. Uh, MailChimp is an external service, and so when you want to send email through MailChimp, you'll typically export uh, like a mailing list and export some HTML and put that into MailChimp and then send it. And the results come back into MailChimp, whereas with CloudMail, everything is done entirely within FileMaker. Um, it's as fast or faster than MailChimp, so it's not like using a regular SMTP plugin right. where you know, you're getting maybe 50 records an hour or 100 records yeah, an hour. because you're using a different way to actually send the mail messages. That's right. We take the email messages and we immediately blast them up to Amazon Q service. And then from Amazon Q service, they get sent through Amazon simple email sending. So it's all taking advantage of the gigantic Amazon infrastructure right. to send these large email blast messages as opposed to individual SMTP connections. But then you still get the super rich HTML email and you still get the uh, percentage of who's tracking and, and like a one-click remove kind of a thing. Yeah, so if you're sending traditional SMTP emails, you really don't have an easy way. It's possible to do it, but there's no simple way of knowing whether they got your email, whether they clicked any of the links in the email, right, right. whether that bounced, uh, managing unsubscribes. You know, there's a lot of regulation and legal uh, uh, compliance issues now when sending marketing emails. Right. And so CloudMail assists a lot with that. For instance, if somebody reports you as, an, as abuse, CloudMail will automatically never send an email again to that person. 
So it's not up. So, you know, you don't have to worry about whether you have made a mistake or not. Cloudmail will take care of that. Same thing for unsubscribes. If somebody uh, wants to just unsubscribe, that will get reported back to FileMaker. So you'll know who unsubscribed from your mailing list. But Cloudmail will also make sure that it doesn't send emails to that person anymore. Okay. Which all those are also features MailChimp as I think. Yeah, the okay. difference, I guess the real big difference here is one from a pricing standpoint, we're not on a monthly or annual model. Yeah. You're just buying uh, you're buying it once and you're paying a one-time cost okay. to us. There are some Amazon sending fees, but they're so low they're almost free. Mm. Uh, the other big difference compared to MailChimp is that everything is done within FileMaker. So it's huge because integrating to MailChimp is not simple. Yeah, and, and not only when you integrate with MailChimp, keep in mind, it's not only the integration part of the sending, it's the integration of the receiving in terms of your mailing list from people unsubscribing, of all of the click tracks and yep. deliveries and stuff like that. So that, yeah, they, there is a lot of integration when you want to take full advantage of the bi-directional stuff. Whereas with CloudMail, there is no integration because everything is all kind of comes from and returns to your FileMaker solution. Dang, now I have to integrate this in my solutions as well. Uh, thank you. How's the show for you so far? Well, I just learned I have another product I have to acquire and buy and integrate. Um, actually, no, it was been, it's been a great, uh, great show. I've, learned, I've actually learned a whole bunch of really cool technical things, had some really good business insights, tons of awesome networking with people, which I always love to do. Um, I, you told me to go to the baseball thing last night. I was going to not go, but I did because you said to. And then I didn't see you there. Uh, well, there was actually a story behind that. <laughs> Sam got hit by a fastball yes, in the face. I know. Uh, he was bleeding. And so we decided to call it an early night. Yeah. We headed back to our hotel room, washed off his face, and played some uh, XCOM on our laptop, which felt much safer yeah. than uh, swinging at fastballs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't imagine having a 90-mile-an-hour baseball come at you uh, would be fun. Uh, yes, yes. And Sam has a new respect for people who stand in a, in a, <laughs> yeah, in sure. a batter's box. <laughs> I did the slow pitch uh, baseball one, and I actually hit the ball a bunch of times, and it, which is good because I never really played baseball, but I'm sore. I'm old, and I'm sore. <laughs> yeah, our guys are too. Will was telling me his ribs are hurting him, and, yeah. uh, and uh, so Evan played a lot of baseball as a kid, and so you know, he, he really enjoyed it. Yeah. I was never able to throw or catch anything. So, you know, soccer was always my game. In fact, uh, Lisa was joking that if we, I was going to throw T-shirts out at my vendor session, that I should just attach something to them and kick them out into the crowd so maybe they would actually make it into the crowd. Oh, good idea. <laughs> I'll look for that next year. <laughs> yeah, I plan on getting hit with the head in the T-shirt. All right, well, it's soft. <laughs> it is that. You've got that going for you. All right, thanks for your time, Jesse. Thanks a lot, Matt.